listening to the No Life Skills Podcast with your host, Ashlyn. My advice for other sex workers, don't do what I did. Giving you an inside look at the fascinating world of sex work. Yeah, a little bit awkward, but uh, informational, I guess. Connect with other professionals and allies of the industry. I was like, wow, this is easy money. Now, join the conversation while we share inspiring stories on the No Life Skills Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of No Life Skills. I'm Ashlyn. This week on the podcast, Riley Marshall, who is a sex worker based out of Toronto, joins me to discuss the horrors she has encountered during her time spent working for agencies in Toronto. I know you guys love to hear all the crazy agency stories, and so she's got a few of those. And she also tells us all about Blumkins. Love that. And make sure you tune into the end of the episode because I've got a lot more questions this week. So if you want to hear my thoughts on erotic enemas, Asian spas, and uh, if I would kick a guy in the dick with spiked boots, listen to the end and let's get into the episode. So hi, Riley. Thanks for joining me. I'm very excited to have you. I'm a big fan. (laughs) Thank you so much. Big (laughs) fan of yours. Very excited to be here. Thank you. So I guess I just have some general questions to get to know you a little bit first. So where are you from? Uh, I'm originally from the prairies, but I've oh. been in Toronto for the last 10 years, and I think I'm a city city bitch now. Yeah, where are you from in the prairies? Uh, small small town. I Both Saskatchewan and Alberta, I grew up oh. in a bit of both, so I got, you know, a little bit of both in me. Wow, and now you're in the big city. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I went from a town of about 4,000 people to a city of GTA of 4 million or whatever, but... Uh, like I said, I've been here 10 years, so I think the city bitch outweighs the prairie girl at this point. So you're never going back to the prairies? <laughs> no, no, thank you. <laughs> awesome. And what do you like to do for fun in Toronto? Um, I mean, when we're not in like a, you know, 15 month lockdown, I really enjoy <laughs> my main thing is I'm a huge con- like music fan. So I'm a huge concert goer. And that's one great thing about this city is there's never ending concerts when, you know, it's more normal of time. So love going to see live music, live comedy, drag shows. Fun. Yeah. I love drag shows. (laughs) I know. I miss them. I miss that energy. Like, thank God for RuPaul working harder than Jesus or the devil and like just (laughs) turning out like constant drag race during the pandemic. Because I'm pretty sure that's the only thing that's keeping like a lot of us going. Oh my gosh. I know you guys in Ontario have had it uh, pretty rough. So I I feel for you. (laughs) Like, and winter, winter was rough, man. Like last, during the summer and stuff, it's more tolerable. It's like, cool. I can go outdoors. I can go to the park. But during the winter, I'm like, cool. I'm, I'm trapped. Oh yes. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, hopefully uh, it will be over soon. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. And then you can uh, see the drag in person. (laughs) And what is something that you're passionate about? I think I'm passionate about human rights in general. Uh, of course, sex work rights fall into that. Um, but I've always been a little little activist at heart, going to as long as young as I can remember. Maybe not as much in Saskatchewan, Alberta, but the whole time <laughs> I've been in Toronto, I can always remember going to protests for different things, whether it's trans rights, basic human rights, different things. And I would say that's one of my big passions is... Uh, fighting for human rights and other than that like I said also music so (laughs) yeah awesome that's really cool 
And how did you pick the name Riley Marshall? Um, growing, I, ha- I I can be honest with you. I have no friggin' clue how I picked the last name, honestly. <laughs> but the first name Riley. Uh, growing up, I always had like I have a I had a really unique name, and I hated it growing up because everyone else had like Jennifer, Ashley, like kind of more generic names, and I've I still haven't met anyone with my real name, so. I and growing up, I always really liked like the androgynous. Like I always wanted my name to be Riley, Billy, or Bobby for some <laughs> reason. I don't know. So as soon as I became like got into sex work, like right away, I was like, "Ooh, I want Riley." So I'm like, "Billy and Bobby probably isn't going to work for me as much." But uh, I know um, two sex workers with the name Billy and Bobby. So yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I know some Billys now, but I I think I have yet to see a Bobby from my experience but uh there's someone in alberta who just changed her name to bobby i think so yeah love her love her support her so much (laughs) yes i love the androgynous names my good friend her hooker name is blake so i really i like that a lot (laughs) yes i love that i love the androgynous name so it was just no uh yeah it was no question for me riley came easily i was bailey briefly for a little bit uh but that was because i worked with an agency for a while and uh (laughs) when i I had been Riley, and when I started with them, they already had a Riley at the agency. So they're like, you need something different. And Bailey uh, and Riley sounded similar. And then when I went independent, I just, I hated the name Bailey. And like, I don't know how I stumbled on that because I act like absolutely hated it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so recently, like, yeah, I think about a year ago or so, I was like, I, I, I can change that back. Awesome. That's so funny because I originally had a different name too. And then the place I was working had someone with the same name. So that's how I got stuck with Ashlyn. And then now it was back then it's been too hard to change. So I'm stuck forever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, luckily uh, it's nice. And I actually like, I can't think of a lot of Ashlyn's in the industry too. So that's true. That's true. There better not be because I'll end their careers. Yeah, I figured so. I figured. (laughs) There can only be one. Walmart and you show them who's boss. That's right. You don't want to see the inside of that tent. Mm -mm. (laughs) You do not. (laughs) So anyways, how long have you been escorting and how did you get started? So I think I want to say like three and a half years-ish. I want to say I started in late 2017. I think, yeah, that that sounds right. Late 2017. And I got started... By just like, I got it in my head. I wanted to do it. Blah, 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 blah. Applied to every single agency in Toronto. Didn't hear back from one single one of them. So answered some sketchy Craigslist ads. Oh. Uh, (laughs) And uh, started with some, you know, some Craigslist ads. And then uh, eventually heard back from an agency and dabbled in that horrific life. Yes. This is the reason I wanted you to come on here. (laughs) So... (laughs) so how did you even find out about hooking in the first place what even brought it to your attention like did you know anything about it before you started or um yeah so in my mind I thought I knew a lot about it in hindsight I didn't really Mm -hmm. but um once again as I said like somebody who's always been very passionate about human rights and stuff like that my background's in journalism as well and I actually used to write a lot about my main focus was about sexuality Um, so I wrote a lot about sexuality and relationships and within that I wrote about sex work rights a lot of the times too. Also, um, when I was in journalism school, I was lucky enough to know a woman by the name of Wendy Babcock, who is, if you Google her, in my opinion, one of the 
great sex workers rights advocates and she was a sex worker herself and I became you know got became friends with her years ago uh she was a sex worker taught me a lot about it and stuff unfortunately she's no longer with us but her drive and her passion for sex workers rights it was something that always resonated with me something that stuck with me and I worked in you know some different corporate jobs and stuff for a few years and then I was never, I was never happy. Like I was never happy. I was just like going through the motions. Like I had to, I'm like, Oh, you know, I have this seemingly great job making decent money, blah, 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 blah. But like, you know, on paper, I'm like, I should love this. And I was miserable. And sex work was always in the back of my mind. And it honestly, the thing that kept me from it for so long was in, in hindsight, internalized whore phobia and stuff. And, you know, anyways, eventually one day I was finally just like, fuck this. I'm like, fuck societal norms and screw the stigma and I'm going to try it. And from basically the very first day, even when it was in sketchier of times and stuff, I knew that there was going to be no turning back for me and that I loved the industry. Awesome. So when you first started, did you know anybody else in the industry? Like, did you have any friends or you just went into it blind? (laughs) Yeah, I kind of just dove in balls deep, kind of blind, not really... uh, I, yeah, I didn't really have, speech. I'd had friends throughout the years that had done it, but at that time I didn't have anybody in my life that did. So yeah, I just kind of took to the internet to try and figure some stuff out. Like I said, I thought I knew so much <laughs> that I'm like, oh, this is great. And in hindsight, I'm like, girl, you're still learning so much. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a process over the mm-hmm. years. And so with the Craigslist ads, so you initially like tried to find your own clients. Is that what you mean by the like, sketchy Craigslist ads? <laughs> So, okay, so <laughs> you would think so, but no. So <laughs> I answered some ads to some, like, I don't really know what you can call them. I don't know if they would call them, like, massage parlors or if you would call them agencies, but, like, some, like, very, like, back alley, back end type, like, I, I guess, like, massage parlor agency mm-hmm. type things. And ones that, like, to this day have never found, like, any sort of internet presence for them. Still, they still <laughs> can't figure it out. Yeah, like have never, but like they had their like client base and stuff, but it was just like, (laughs) it was in some weird industrial area and all of this. And yeah, like I said, not like an established place that like I could ever, like since then I've been like, I've never found like reviews on it, anything like that. Just some weird place that I answered to. And like I said, I basically just kind of, because I never heard back, like I said, from any of the like agencies in Toronto that I could find. So I basically just worked with them to like keep getting money in my pocket or whatever until I finally did hear back from one of the agencies. And then I left the the Craigslist place and moved on. <laughs> okay. And yeah, I want to hear all about your experience with this agency. <laughs> so what was the hiring process like? So hiring process was... So I did... I worked with two agencies in my time, actually. I left one and went to another one. But um, the hiring process for the first one was basically, I think I sent an email in with like a bunch of pictures and stuff and then, you know, had a bit of a conversation with the owner. I can't recall if it was via text or if we had, no, we had a phone call. We had a phone call. Uh, I remember they were lovely. I remember one of the reasons I was drawn to them was the fact that they had a female owner. I was like, hey, dope, like female owner. This is going to be great. Like way, like obviously ideal as compared to uh, a male-owned business in this. And then she got me to meet her kind of, like, right-hand woman at one of their in-calls and stuff, and her and I sat down, and then basically, like, I started the next day. 
Uh, And then the second agency that I later on went to go work to, it was kind of similar where I like sent them some sort of introductory email uh, with like blah, 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 bio pictures. And then I remember having like a FaceTime with the owner dude for like an hour. And then I started with them. Okay. And do you remember your first clients with the agency? Like these were, um, were the outcall agencies. So you were going to people's places or hotels, right? Um, so the first agency I was with was in call. Okay. They had like very occasional outcalls. And the second agency I was with was primarily outcall with like super occasional in calls. I see. And so. And, and sorry, and with your question, no, I honestly don't remember either of my clients from either of them. The funny thing <laughs> is, is I remember my first client from the sketchy, like, Craigslisty place. But the times at the agencies, I honestly don't remember either of my, like, first clients from either of those places. Was it a negative experience, perhaps? And you blocked- <laughs> um, I think it was just, like, overall, the whole experience with the agency was very, like, negative so i don't uh-huh. even think it was like specifically the client being like a negative client i think just gotcha for all the experience my both of my the agencies i worked at were such a negative experience that honestly i think i probably blocked out or like intentionally forgot a lot of it that's fair that's very understandable <laughs> so with the first one uh the in-call agency did you have like shifts that you had to go to or was it by appointment only how did it work so what did you live there were you held captive <laughs> Some days I felt like that. Um, oh, so, so anyway, so it was um, so it was an in-call and they basically, so yes, it was like shifts or like you'd tell them like, let's say I think on a Sunday, you'd be like, hey, I'm going to be in like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 10 to whatever the days, blah, blah, blah. You'd let them know. So then when you'd go in those days, you basically hung out in a condo with like 10 other girls. So this is not a business. This is a condo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that. Beautiful. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... Is this legal? (laughs) So we would hang out with, like... It would just be, like, a bunch of girls hanging out. And then when somebody (laughs) would get an appointment, then everyone would have to, like... Oh, this is so... This is so, like, weird in hindsight, too. (laughs) So they had a couple condos within the same building. And uh, I remember that, yeah, they had like the one main condo that everyone would hang out in, but they would also see clients in it. So there was two bedrooms. So basically, whenever a client was coming in, all of the girls in the living room would just shut up and there was kind of like a wall so you couldn't see people in it. And people would just go into the bedrooms and see clients while there's like 10 girls in the living room, like having a party. And so how was this profitable when there's 10 girls and two bedrooms? Yeah. Like, how is everybody going to make money? This sounds illegal, first of all. I don't even think this is legal. Not in Alberta, at least. Yeah, and that's the thing. Not a lot of people did make money. So, I mean, that's the thing, too. And that's like... Were these, like, quickies? Like, I can't fathom how you could do something for an hour. Yeah, there was a yeah, there was a lot of um at that time too. Like there was a lot of like half hour appointments or like, you know, half hour appointments that would really be like 15 kind of quick little in and out type things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like it wasn't there was days and this was the thing. This this is there was days that I'd sit there for hours and get absolutely nothing. And I'm a girl that has pretty good like self-esteem, confidence and stuff like that, and that fucking hurts. Like yeah. that when you see, and it's because of the fact, once again, like you said, how is it profitable when you have that many girls, that little bedrooms and stuff like that? You're basically, in a sense, kind of like pitting the girls against each other in a way. Yeah. Well, it's just not fair. Yeah. 
yeah, there'd be days where I'd literally sit there and wouldn't get stuff for hours and hours or at all that day. So I just sit there all day and like technically make zero money. Yeah. And, you know, and sure, it might make up for it. Like, we, you know, in this industry in general, it's very cyclical. You have days where you'll make good money. You'll have weeks where you might not make money or weeks where you make good money, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, when you're surrounded by other girls that are making money, it's kind of it's kind of a downer. Yeah. Well, because like when I've worked at studios, for example, if there's three rooms that you can use, then there's maximum four girls on shift because that's fair. And then everyone has a chance to make money and use the rooms. I just don't understand having 10 girls. So these guys, were you running your own phone or were these people booking, like the agency was booking the appointments for you? Or were these guys walking in and like picking from everybody? Like, so no, they, they were, um, they were doing all the booking for us and everything. The agency was doing all of it. They did have like a website and everything. So they'd usually, and I think they'd usually text like dudes pictures too. Like if they weren't dudes that would go on the websites, but it was, it, it was very degrading in that sense too. And I don't like to use that word degrading a lot for sex work because it can be used against us a lot. Mm-hmm. But like it was in the sense that, um, there was times where dudes would come to the door and they'd be like, no, thank you. Who else is available? <laughs> wow. And it's like, ooh, like cool. And like I said, once again, like I am very thankful that I have like the the strong head and strong mind and stuff that like that. And like, like I said, but it did it did get to me sometimes, but then I see it, like I said, where there was certain girls that it really got to like a lot more than me, you know? And yeah. because that that does suck. <laughs> it sucks. And like if you don't mind me asking, how old were you when you entered the industry? Like mid twenties, I think. Or uh, yeah, I was twice. I was twenty five when I entered. Okay, yeah. So, so and I so- think that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing too. Being a little bit, you know, a little bit older, different things. You kind of have like a, you know, a different mindset than, for example, I'd see girls that are nineteen, twenty, or something like mm-hmm. that get rejected, and that kind of hits a little bit differently, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was wondering. Oh my gosh, this sounds horrible. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah. um, I want to know, like, how much money were you making? Like, for a half hour appointment, how how much would you make, and how much would you give to the agency? For example, so they took forty percent of shit. everything. So let's say I think a half hour appointment was one sixty. And I, I don't even think it was actually, I think they said 40%, but like the, I, I, the crunch, the numbers are probably off. Um, but say half an hour was 160 and they'd take 60 and I'd keep a hundred. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then I think like, I think an hour was like 260 and they'd take keep a hundred and I'd get like 160 or something. Oh my gosh. And it's like, doesn't even sound like it's worth it because there's not even a fair chance to make money. (laughs) Yeah. And like, like I said too, and the thing that's like, so was so infuriating to me a lot of the time too, was that considering they had so many girls there and stuff. And, you know, of course, uh, you know, there were people that come and go, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, only come for a day or two. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't really blame them because after you see that situation and stuff, I should have fucking ran sooner, but I was young, dumb and naive. So uh, young, dumb and not full of cum because I wasn't getting booked. (laughs) um, (laughs) Yeah. Like there was, uh, where was I going with myself? Sorry. So how long did you work for this agency? How long did you last? Uh, so I think, I think I started with this agency. Uh, I think I was with them for about like six to eight months somewhere in there. Yeah, I know. I know. I should not have stuck around as long as I did. But the thing was, like I said, during that time, I actively was trying to like apply to other agencies and stuff Mm -hmm, too, mm -hmm. because at that time too, like I, 
I didn't know enough to go indie, or at least I thought I didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally could have compared to what they were, anyways. Like I didn't even know, but like they, I didn't even know about Twitter as much. Like it was towards the end where they were like, "Oh, you guys like if because I started complaining about not getting appointments and stuff, and they'd be like, "Well, you should get on Twitter to get yourself a Twitter presence." And I'm like, "Well, if I'm marketing myself, why?" Why am I paying you? Like, if yeah. I'm having to market myself and bring in all of these clients too, why? What am? What? What are you doing here? Exactly. And do yeah. you, do you think that the owners of that agency had the best interests of the employees at heart? Oh no, absolutely not. I do. Th- well, like I, th- I feel like they had some good intentions, but at the end of the day, like it is a business, so it was money driven. And mm-hmm. like, for example, like there was definitely specific girls that got like preferential treatment who brought in more. Oh, that sorry, this is what I was saying before was that they would so often just bring in new girls, and it's like you're not even booking the girls that are already here. Yeah, because the new and girls sudden- bring in more money. Yeah, and it would just be, like, it'd be so infuriating because I'd be sitting there for, like, days on end, maybe not making money or something like that, and then all of a sudden I'd see this, like, super skinny, gorgeous blonde walk in, and I'm like, all right, so we're not making money today, too. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know that they're going to be pushing and marketing those people as well. And, yeah, as someone who's not, like, you know, like, super skinny whatever type of thing like you can tell they definitely marketed certain people more than others mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh absolutely yeah oh my gosh that sounds yeah very infuriating yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm wow and it's interesting to me that you had to like apply for these other other agencies for so long because i don't know like in edmonton like i think they hire anybody like no offense but it's not hard yeah. to find a place to work here like a yeah. um a spa like- or a agency Yeah, and the thing is, I've heard that here, too, from so many girls. But once again, like, I don't know if it's because, you know, once again, uh, curvier girls are certain people sometimes also having tattoos and different things sometimes, you know, might hinder your ability or something like that. But like, yeah, that was one thing. So I remember I talked to so many girls They're like, oh, my God, yeah, I've worked with this one, this one, everyone. And I'm like, cool, I've applied to a bunch and like haven't heard back from anybody. So I'm (laughs) like... I guess my fat ass is just not going to work with an agency right now. But uh, but then, like I said, eventually you start to hear from them and stuff too. And you kind of realize that that is exactly what it is too. And like, I'm somebody that's very comfortable with my body and the way it is and stuff. But unfortunately, because I remember them saying that to me the one time too, they're like, I don't know how to market you. And I'm like, well, if you don't know how to market me, maybe you're not good at your job. Yeah, sounds like it. Like, <laughs> like if you can hell? only market one type of body, if you can only market one type of person, you're not really great at what you're doing. No, and there's a market for everybody, any yeah, kind of body, any look. Like, there is. Maybe it's not a big market, but there is. And especially, like, curvy girls, that's it right now. Like, fuck those and, people. Exactly. So, I mean, of course, now that I'm on Twitter and see, you know, and, you know, now that I am independent and have, you know... Not like, yeah, yeah, I see that there's obviously a market for everyone. And I always knew that, but just, you know, you don't see that as much in the agencies. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that sounds very sad. And then you moved on to the second agency. So what was that like? And this was an uh, outcall agency. Yeah, so this one was primarily outcall. And uh, um, so the way that it kind of worked was... Uh, Once again, I think, you know, on the weekend or whatever specific day, you'd kind of text them or let them know your shifts and be like, hey, uh, I'm available. And this one was primarily a lot more evenings than daytimes. Like they Mm -hmm. were open, I think, 10 a.m. to 4 a.m., but their prime times were basically like 
7 p.m. to 4 a.m. type of thing. Mm -hmm. So I'd let them know my like week, my shifts, blah, blah, blah. And then they would message you, be like, hey, Riley, 8 p.m. And then I would have a driver's name, like Riley, 8 p.m. Ashlyn, and then send you like the address, blah, blah, blah. And you'd go to that, like the driver would come pick you up and they'd take you to that appointment. Mm-hmm. But if you like, say, if you didn't have anything booked, you'd get to just like wait at home and somebody would come pick you up whenever you did have something booked. But then say if you had like, say I had an hour appointment at like seven, like seven to 8 p.m. Uh, driver comes and picks me up after. And then say I was on shift. Like I said, I was going to work until se- seven to like 3 a.m. I would just sit in the car with that driver while they drove around other girls. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of agencies. There seems to be a lot of sitting around and waiting for other people to do their appointments. Uh, (laughs) That's a great use of time. I couldn't think of anything more lucrative. Mm -hmm. Super ideal. Also, (laughs) out of like the like, I don't know, double digit drivers that I had, there was only two that weren't like just absolute dumbasses or creeps. Like most of them were either creepy or a lot of them were just absolute dumbasses where I'd be like 15, 20 minutes late for everything or just like <sighs> absolute idiots to work with. Uh, but I mean, oh, there God. was two absolutely like wonder, like a couple absolutely wonderful drivers that I actually like still keep in contact with and stuff. But yeah, it was a lot of like, and say if like I'm sitting around for like a few hours in a car and we're sitting downtown and I'm like, okay, can I just like go wait at home? They're like, oh, well then you probably won't get booked if you go home anymore. I'm like, okay, well it's down the street. So like, what is the difference between me sitting in this car with this weird driver playing solitaire on his phone oh. or me going home and having a little bit of dignity being able to wait there? Like, oh. Oh my god. So I yeah, want yeah, do you yeah. have any examples of creepy drivers? I want I would like to know more. <laughs> um so there was one driver that was like absolutely known for just sleeping with all of the girls. I remember that I I got told that by like another girl in the agency before I ever drove with him. And then I remember driving with him and I was kind of like standoffish and then he was just like so rude to me and then said that he never wanted to drive me. <laughs> And what, like, why did everyone sleep with him? Was he hot or something? Or like, I mean, I guess so. I guess that's subjective. But he had, okay. like, I don't even think, like, it was one of those, you know, he was one of those dudes that, like, he wasn't even super hot, but he kind of had that, like, swagger to him. Okay, okay. You know, I don't know. There was something to him. Like, you could tell, like, he was slick and he knew he was slick. Ugh. Which, like, is a huge turnoff for me. So as soon as I get in the car and I sense that, I'm like, ew. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, that sounds absolutely horrible. And so um, this was a male-run agency, you said? or Okay. And how were the owners or owner? (laughs) Well, Ashlyn. um, (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I'm just going to, like, fast forward. We can obviously backtrack and I can tell you more about the time here. But I'm going to fast forward and tell you about, like, me kind of how I left the agency. Because uh, that says a lot about them. So I kind of I kind of already knew in my mind that I obviously wanted to go to independent and stuff. And I had started to Twitter at this point, blah, blah, blah. But I wanted to, you know, do it smart. And I was trying to bank as much money as I could in this time and then go indie. Hadn't, like, mentioned anything to anyone that I wanted to go indie, blah, blah, blah. So I was still working with the agency. And I had... I remember I went to see a gentleman. Not a gentleman. I went to see a guy who ended up being very aggressive, gave me a concussion. Oh, wow. Um, That's horrible. I remember, of course, I told the agency about that. 
uh, they said that they black. I'm like, you need to blacklist him, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, he's done this before. Yeah, we'll blacklist <gasps> him. No worry. I'm like, mm, he's done this before. Cool, 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 cool. So all of a sudden, a couple weeks later, after I fought my way out of a crack den that they sent me <gasps> to, the driver picked me up with another girl who had just seen the same gentleman <gasps> that gave me a concussion. And she was also injured. What the so, fuck? Yeah. And this is a girl that I was kind of friends with. They're like, you know, so she kind of told me about that. I was like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Did you tell them? They're like, yeah, I brought it up to them. They're like, well, yeah, we blacklisted them from from you, but not from the agency. And I'm like, okay, like I get that for some scenarios. Like if people don't just like click whatever, but when it comes to like like physicalities and Uh like, you know, I think that's like a full, like hard blacklist in my opinion. That's horrifying. Like I'm disgusted. Anyways, it was a couple weeks later that I found out that another girl was sent to this gentleman. So... And did she get injured as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God. So, I... Because I'm not, I mean, as you can probably, anyone who follows me on Twitter or anywhere can tell, I'm not one to, like, shut up about things. Mm -hmm. So also, once again, like I said, my background's in journalism, so I know that I can be very good with my words when I want to be. Most of the time, I'm a shithead on Twitter, whatever, but when (laughs) I need to be good with my words, I can be. Mm -hmm. So I, it was a Friday night. I was getting ready. I was working that night, like literally getting ready. The driver had already messaged me. They were on their way to pick me up and stuff. And I had sent a, I found out about this and stuff. And I sent a very, very well-worded message to the owner just being like, hey, I, this is kind of like, you know, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't think that this is okay. I don't think that this is safe. I think that something needs to be done about this, blah, blah, blah. And they come back at me, and my name was Bailey at this time. They're like, mm-hmm. you know what, Bailey? You get what you give in this world, and I'm sick of your negativity. And blah, blah, blah. <gasps> and I'm like, okay, cool. Because, I mean, once again, anyone who knows me just knows I'm a fucking negative Nancy. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, totally. I'm kidding. <laughs> so it's like, you get what you give in the world, blah, blah, blah. I just remember that. Like, that specific line, too, always sticks with me. It's like, you're so negative, you get what you give in the world. And I'm like, really, sweetie? Holy and fuck. They're kind of like, you know what? And uh, and I was like, you know what? You're right. Because they said, they're like, maybe this isn't for you anymore. And I just kind of messaged something back. Because like I said, I was getting ready to go out on a call. So I was like, you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe we've outgrown each other at this point, blah, blah, blah. Because I had a f- night booked that night on Friday and some appointments booked on Saturday. I was like, why don't I finish out this weekend? You know, I'll say something on Twitter on Sunday or, you know, we'll go our separate ways on Sunday. They respond back to me. No, you know what? Consider yesterday your last day. Oh, Nice. So I'm like, did I just get fired from like this agency? So me being the slick little bitch that I am, I immediately, I knew how shady this man was too. And I immediately went on to Twitter and I was like, hey guys, in case you didn't know, this was my last week at blah, blah, blah. Wow. And uh, then I got a message because like I said, I was literally getting ready to go on an appointment. I got a message from my client on Twitter being like, hey, I just got a weird message from the agency. What's going on? I'm like, oh, sweetie, I can still come see you. It's just not through the agency. They're like, yeah, I would love to be your first indie call. (laughs) Still just like got ready, went and saw this client. It was actually a duo with another girl I know. We went and we had that. We all laughed. I told them the story. We all laughed about it, blah, blah, blah. By the time I got out of that like hour call or whatever, I had messages from people because the agency was shit-talking me on Twitter. 
Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, whatever. I mean, they already oh. blocked me and stuff, so I couldn't see it. But my little <laughs> slick ass had already been on Twitter being like, blah, blah, blah. So wow. anyways, just like unnecessary drama. But like, I guess technically I got fired by this shitty agency. Good which job. Is Good for you. Publicly, yeah, I haven't publicly <laughs> said this before because for so long, like when I was just starting out indie, I was like, I don't want to be like problematic or I don't want whatever. But then, you know, mm. now I'm like, this had nothing to do with me and everything to do with how shitty they are. No, that's horrifying. And like, not to like, I don't know, not to victim blame, but when these girls were getting injured, did anybody think to like call the police on this man? Like, was that ever a thought? Like, I highly doubt it. Like, I mean, I didn't like specifically because I think I was probably a little, I was very in like, the, the man who runs the agency is was very intimidating and was very intimidating towards me as well mm. and sent like a lot of some like very intimidating messages. So I think, you know, talking about his tough friends and all the people he knows and stuff. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that did like intimidate me a little bit to like not do much. Also, mm-hmm. I mean, as a sex worker, it's always kind of in your mind, like, can I go to the cops? Is it going to be okay or not? Because in reality, it really just fucking depends on what cop you get and whether or mm-hmm. not they are going to help you or degrade you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just think about like the agency still sending girls to see yeah. this guy and like, what if one of them doesn't make it out alive? Like, oh, holy shit. Yeah. Like, that's a very real possibility. And it's disgusting yeah. that they would be yeah, okay with I that. Agree. Like, clearly, the well being of their employees are not like, no, at the it's, front it's, of their minds. Not at all. Not at all. It's all, once again, it's money on the mind, not uh, safety and protecting your workers. Mm-hmm. And so what was the cut that you had to give to the agency? Was it um, like 40% again? And yeah, then you had to yeah, pay the driver? Yeah, it was the, same. Yeah, oh it was the same. And at that point too, once again, they... Because this agency literally has... Honestly, I couldn't even tell you how many girls. Like, they have, like, well over 50-plus girls. Like, they have dozens of girls that they're churning out here. And once again, uh, you know, it'd be some days where you wouldn't really get booked, some days that you would. But uh, at that point, like, I basically started doing all of my own marketing. And a lot of what I was getting was via me doing stuff on Twitter and stuff. Because... Mm -hmm. I was trying to build up that presence so that I can like that confidence so that I could go indie and, you know, cushion the bank account, all that, uh, so that I could go indie. So yeah, by the end of it, basically any clients that I was getting through the agency anyways, I was getting myself and then still having to give them a cut for it. Mm-hmm. And did you realize at the time that this was maybe an exploitative situation or was it until after uh, that you realized? Oh, yeah. No, I definitely knew in that time, but I just like, I wasn't financially myself in the place to be able to just leave and go indie. Like I said, Mm -hmm. Uh, I needed to like, you know, the thing was, the funny thing was, was that I left these corporate jobs that I was making decent money at. And I made decent money at the first agency I worked at, but at the second one, they just like, I didn't get booked enough. And my like finances weren't actually the greatest. So it took me a little bit of time, like working with them to like rebuild my savings and stuff like that and get to a place where I was comfortable uh going out on my own or I mean getting mm-hmm. fired but yeah uh. <laughs> hey it was a blessing rejection is God's protection <laughs> oh yeah love that love that <laughs> and so after your first indie call when you kept all of your money how did that feel instead of paying 40 oh, percent <laughs> so good so good let me tell you like I remember actually I can remember that night I went out afterwards and I was like girl I'm going to treat my I like treat myself to some din and like had some drinks after and everything and then actually my best friend like came in because I've been like complaining to them about everything and they literally like came in and they took me like drunk from the bar and they're like we're going home right now and we're building you a website 
Aww. And my best friend was actually so lovely. They like dragged me out of the bar while I was drunk and they, we like went home and they built my like full website. So they're like, we're announcing tomorrow that you're indie. You're going to be on top of this shit. Aww. So yeah, so they fucking built me a website while I was just like drunkenly yelling at them, being like, "Do this and this," and <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, and and my god, it was yeah, indie was indie was always the end goal, but like my god, it's been great. That's good. So, what are some of the advantages of being independent <laughs> compared to working for the agency? I think it's kind of obvious, but <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> Uh, this whole false sense of security that agencies give you, ha, ha, <laughs> that is number one. I have, I mean, I'm knocking on wood right now because of course, of course things happen when you're indie too and stuff. And I've just mm-hmm. been lucky that something hasn't, mm-hmm. but every single negative, every single abusive situation I've had in my three and a half years in this industry has been when I worked with agencies. So let's say screening and safety, ding, ding, ding is number <laughs> one. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're screening your own clients as an independent you're talking to the client yourself you know it's not yeah because the exactly. agency and there is actual screening none of these agencies screened because really? they give you, yeah no they don't screen because they give you this false sense of security where they're mm. like you're with an agency there's power in numbers you have drivers that's one thing that they really stick with you too is that you have these drivers but you know what <laughs> these drivers leave when you start the appointment yeah, because the, they're driving other girls around too around the city. How are they going to know if you're in trouble? They're not <laughs> exactly like the time I had to fight myself out of a literal crack den and then run down the street to hide at a McDonald's oh. because there was no driver around. Oh my god! So like, no, it's an absolute false sense of security because they don't screen. They don't know where they're sending you, and yeah, so screening and safety has been the number one biggest like advantage. Of course, like the the independence and the money and all of that has been absolutely remarkable as well. Being independent, but I would say the biggest thing is the screening and safety. Absolutely. And why do you think some men prefer to call an agency over seeing somebody independent? I think a lot of it has to do with like the convenience too, because a lot of these people aren't necessarily like aren't a lot of it is last minute. It's like midnight and they get home from the bar with friends or something like that. And they're like, Oh, you know, they can just, they know they can just call an agency and a girl will be like, it's like an order of pizza. A girl will be there in 45 minutes or less. Whereas, you know, with an independent, you know, you do have to deal with this, the screening and you have to, you know, sometimes pre-book, there's not as many people available last minute, blah, blah, blah. Whereas like, I think big chunk is just the convenience. And also, uh, I think rates are usually lower too. With the agency. Yeah, like I think a lot of agencies, well, around that time in Toronto, the base was kind of 260 for an hour. I think now it's basically everywhere is about 300 an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like just a general convenience. They don't have to screen. And yeah. Love they'll, that. They'll, they just don't care that much. <laughs> yeah, they don't care. They're, it's not about a connection. That's yeah. the thing with them. Like it's, it's, not, it's not about a connection. It's about coming, right? So as long as there's someone coming over to make that happen, it doesn't really matter to them who or what it is. Love that. That's wonderful. That's sarcasm, (laughs) by the way. And so (laughs) what do you think the clients you see now working independently, how do they differ from the clients that you've saw during the time at your, during your time at the agency? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Once again, definitely like a lot more of connections. Like of Mm -hmm. course there's people that still just want to do quick in and out, whatever, but like, you know, it's, you know, I've formed a lot of like actual connections, relationships. It's, you know, people who 
once again, with Twitter and stuff too, like I'm getting a lot of clients off Twitter. It's a lot of people like suited towards me because Mm -hmm. I'm very, very, very myself on there. So, you know, people can see that, that I'm just this like ridiculous little bitch on there. And I find I, I, that's one thing I like is that it's more like-minded people too. Mm -hmm. You know, I get people that just love going to concerts and eating cheeseburgers or whatever. Um, so I find that, yeah, it's a lot more like-minded people. It's a lot more like formed connections. It's a lot more respect. And yeah, I just, yeah, the the level of respect, respect and stuff is a big, big thing for me too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely with Twitter and stuff, you can definitely attract the clients that you want to see. Yeah, and scare, exactly. scare the other ones away, which is what exactly, I like to do. <laughs> exactly. So, and so now, do you still uh, do the late night shift, or do you usually work like reasonable hours, like during the day now? That oh you're my god! No, the late night. The late night is not for me. Like I think mm-hmm. I remember I tweeted this a while ago, and I was just like, you know, the term "lady of the night." I'm more of like a lady <laughs> in the of the afternoon because I'm yeah. useless in the morning, and you don't want me after eight p.m. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Mid midday is really really my jam. Yeah, and then you're not dealing with like drunk people, hopefully, in the afternoon. Oh, yeah, that's that's <laughs> the thing too, is like sometimes I'll still be awake and I'll hear my phone go off and I'll be reading the messages from people that are like drunk at like midnight to three AM uh-huh. or whatever. And I'm just like, Oh, there's no way in hell I'm coming to see you right now, but like I love reading these drunk messages. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not the girl for that guy. <laughs> no, not for me. Not for me. I'm already I'm already in bed stoned eating pizza and you don't want any of this. Oh my gosh. So do you think your time at the agency was like a valuable learning experience to learn about the industry? Like do you are you happy you started out there or you wish you didn't and just went independent right away? Like, I always say that I wish I went independent right away, but honestly, I think it really was a valuable learning experience for me. And I also think now, you know, if I have friends that do want to get in the industry and stuff, I think that I'm better able to direct them and better able to give them firsthand experience since I did work with an agency. But yeah, like, I I think there was definitely some valuable learning moments there and stuff. I don't know, I'm on the fence about that. Part of me is like, no, nah, I wish I would have just went indie right away. And then part of me is like, well, you did learn a bit. So yeah, uh, bittersweet. Would you recommend that anybody start out working at an agency? No, but I mean, <laughs> like I wouldn't. But at the same time, I do get for some girls why it can be appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, especially for girl, like for people that, you know, Say, say you're a really, really busy student, you have another career or something like that, family's different things, because they do do all of the legwork and stuff. And like, people who just kind of want the quick in and out to make money, I get why that's appealing. I get you don't have to do any admin work. I get you don't have to have to do any sort of advertising or marketing or anything. Well, but you so do, I though. <laughs> well, I mean, I had to, but like some of these girls are churning it out in the agencies mm. and stuff, and they don't have to do that. Like, there's mm-hmm. a bunch of, you know... There, there's certain people that, uh, you know. Would you say that's the majority, though, or no? Uh, I would say that it really depends on your body type. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing from, and I'm not just saying that as a girl who has experienced it. I'm saying that talking to a multitude of different friends and people I've known through the years. That obviously being a like a you know a, a spinner, a spinner, you're always going to make big. And that's what they want. Once again, since a lot of these people do just want the quick whatever, they want the dream girl. 
they want their like perfect, perfectly manicured, perfect, you know, everything. Whereas, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm going to be hella ready and stuff, but I'm not your, I'm not your Barbie dream girl. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember too, like the business, I think in Toronto, I haven't worked there, but I know a lot of people that have, I think it's a very different scene compared to the the prairie provinces over here. Like, you know, I, yeah, I don't necessarily think that's the case in Edmonton, but. Yeah, most definitely. That's the thing too. Toronto, I mean, is Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. So. (laughs) It's a different ball game over there. Exactly. Everyone here thinks thinks or wants to be living in New York, LA or LA or something. They <laughs> think they're, you know, big hot shots. So they want the the nice arm candy to go with that, you know? But you are nice arm candy, Riley. I yes, I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, of course I am. I'm the creme de la creme of arm candy. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what would you say the most important thing you learned starting out in sex work was? boundaries mm-hmm. boundaries because I was working well when working with agencies you are so not even pressured manipulated into altering your boundaries how and how so just by being like oh well like you can make more money if you'll do this or like this client wants this do you think you could just do it one time <laughs> oh. or like blah 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 like and especially as someone who you know has maybe said like I'm not making great money lately like I need more mm-hmm. bookings then it's mm-hmm. you know them give, then giving them the ammo to be like well if you did this and this with clients then then you would blah 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 oh my god uh so like yeah boundaries are a big one like for example i remember them sending me to a lot of like party calls and stuff and i'm not really comfortable with that as somebody who has a past with addiction and stuff i don't really like to be around any of that Mm -hmm. and i can remember like that was like they're like well if you would just go to like calls with partying like you don't have to do anything just like (laughs) be around it blah 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 and i'm like you don't understand addiction do you no they just don't care is what the problem is that's it So, so yeah, that's the number one thing that I, well, probably I shouldn't say it's the first thing I learned because I learned it a little too late, but is fucking stick with your boundaries. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's something that so many people have told me on the podcast. Yeah. 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 Because it is so easy, whether you're with agencies, whether you do start indie and have people like, you know, the general client public or whatever. Well, uh, yeah. even, Even when you're new, even if you start out independent or even for me, when I was at the studio, guys can spot the new girl from a mile away and they the certain clientele always look for the new girls to push their yeah. boundaries every yeah, time yeah, it happens. hundred percent. Yeah. And it's like every time, even as I worked at the studio longer, uh, when new girls would start, the same guys would come in same yeah. shit. Like it's just, yeah. it's horrifying. And unfortunately a lot of the new girls, um, when I was there were super young and it's the boundaries are harder when you're a fucking teenager still, yeah. you know, I mean, boundaries exactly. are hard in general, but when you, your brain's not even fully developed and you have these grown men trying to, you know, tell you to do things you don't want to do. Ugh, exactly. Grinds my gears. Yeah, girls same. I could not agree with you more. Yeah. Uh, and you, just... you can see it on Twitter a lot of the time, too, when you have, like, a new girl on Twitter or something. And who knows? That's the thing on Twitter. Just because they join Twitter doesn't mean that they're new in the industry or something. But I'll see that mm-hmm. every once in a while where there's someone new on Twitter. And you see the same, like... 20 reply guys all up her mouth <laughs> and stuff and you're like oh you just know they're in her dms trying to get that emotional labor for free oh god i probably don't even see that because i probably have all of them muted already yeah. so. <laughs> you're so smart <laughs> i've really just started to utilize that mute button in the last few months and oh. my god i love it game changer girl game changer they don't even know <laughs> that you muted them and they're still replying to your shit <laughs> exactly it's, my it's favorite. really beautiful <laughs> it is it is <laughs> and so since your time starting at the agencies and everything what 
what did you think about review board culture? Was that an important part of work? And do you think it's helpful or harmful in this business? <laughs> harmful. Um, <laughs> yeah, once again, with an agency, that is something, of course, that they really, really push there. And they'll make a point of being like, if they do book someone that they know is a review board person, they'll make a point of being like, oh, make sure you really like please this person or blah, 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 or this person's like a turp person. Love make sure that. You, like, blah, 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 and stuff. So they really, like, agencies really foster and, like, really feed that review board culture. And I never liked it when I was in the end, like, when I was with agencies. But now that I, and, like, since I went indie, I think I advertised on a review board, like, on Turb my first month. And I was like, I don't like the people that this is bringing to the table. And I stopped. And I mean, there's definitely been a lot of times where things have been really slow for me or different things like that, where I'm like, you know what? I know if I advertised on them, I know if I supported that, that I could be busier. But it's one of those things where it's quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, sure. My, you know, I might be busier. I might be making more bank if I do, you know, feed into these review board people and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, my peace of mind is far greater value to me than any money could be. And I just like, in my, I'm so against the review board culture that I just can't even bring myself to like advertise that on them or anything. And I know that's coming from a place of privilege because a lot of people do really, really need them. And I'm not saying like, and I, I completely get that and support that. And once again, like I said, I know I'd be busier if I did feed into that, but I just can't fuck it. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like, it's like rewarding bad behavior in children. I'm like, I just can't, I can't give yeah. you a piece of candy after you act like this. Yeah, it's like nothing disgusts me more in this business other like than hearing like, oh, you better treat this guy yeah. extra special because he's a big guy on a review board. Like, get exactly. another hobby, sir. Like, Exactly. Honestly, even sometimes when I get emails and it's just like, oh, my name's Big Joe 33 from Turb, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you just screened yourself out of an appointment. Oh my um, God. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think it's hard for me to say because I think the board here in Alberta is run a lot better than like Turb and Perb and stuff. And like, I will not support Perb or Turb. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's so toxic. They don't have the best interests of the advertisers at heart. Like it's totally the clients running the show yeah. on, on those boards. And like the shit that I read on there sometimes, just stuff I see on Twitter, I'm just like, holy fuck. Like, yeah. Ugh, ugh. The, the amount of manipulation or just the ridiculous stuff that I see post are like, let's go on strike. So they lower their prices. Yeah. Like, oh my God. This is not an Arby's. And oh. like, it's just, it's, yeah. But I have heard, um, you know, from colleagues and stuff like that, I have heard that there are ones that are obviously better. I mean, being in Toronto, my experience has been with Turb for review boards mm -hmm. or um, the old like Tur, like the Escort Review, whatever. Oh, yeah. I remember having some of that like back in the day. So it's been more so for that as opposed to like, I've heard about Lila and stuff that like uh, Lila is supposed to be, I think, only positive reviews and stuff. Mm. That, dope. Support that. Like, I'm not on there. I don't actually know it that well. Or I think I just made an account, like I just made an account, but I don't really know it well. But like something like that, cool. I totally get that. Or yeah, I've heard that different ones in the prairies or different places are better. But like my my personal experience with review arts has only really been through term and ter. So that's all mm -hmm. I can really speak towards. Yeah, yeah, totally. Hmm. And how long do you see yourself doing sex work? Oh God, forever. Like this was definitely, <laughs> this was definitely my career. Yeah. Like I, like I said, coming into this later on and different things like this is, this is a hundred percent my career. I've worked other jobs and other careers before and different things that I thought, you know, were supposed to be my life goals or my life calling. And I've never felt more happy and fulfilled than I do doing sex work. And 
It's something I intend to do as long as my body and mind allow me to. Oh, I love that. And do the people close to you know that you're a sex worker? Yeah, I'm super, super lucky in that. Um, All of my friends know. Uh, I have a super loving and supportive partner. Both of my parents and my brother all know. They all know and love and support me, which is super amazing. And I'm very lucky. That's amazing. Yeah. And do you have any funny stories you would like to share? (laughs) About oh sex work. God. Oh my gosh. Any off the crazy top of my clients? Head, like, <laughs> off the top of my head, I'm like, I have to, but I can't think of anything. <laughs> Any weird requests? <laughs> oh my God. One of my favorites is a guy that I used to see who would give me like, you know what a blumpkin is, right? Uh, a blumpkin's <laughs> when you blow a guy while he's taking a shit. Yes. Love that. Like a dude who would do that to me. Oh. And like, he would buy me like whatever food I wanted the night before to make sure that I had a, just a nasty shit. So like, <laughs> like you know, he like messed me up before. Do you like, do you want Indian food or do you want like hot wings or like, what do you want? And then he'd see me in the morning and I would just take a greasy shit while he went down on me. And uh, I'm like, how do you not get pink eye? I don't know. That's not your problem, girl. And so I need to know how much do you charge for this service? The Blumkin service. I have to know. I think I just did like a, I think I just did uh, like a, my hourly and then like my added hundred fee. Cause I haven't added like extra hundred if you wanted like anything like crazy PSE or anything. And then of course making him pay for whatever food I was eating the night before. <laughs> and was he, would he be there for the whole hour or was it a, um, a quick yeah, ordeal? I mean, so yeah, sometimes he'd have to dive out early. Like it'd be on his lunch break or something uh. like that. Just getting real right and nasty on your lunch break. Oh my God. Um, Just a casual Blumkin on his lunch break. Why yeah, not? Like, yeah. I mean, mad respect, bro. You fucking do you. Oh my gosh. I love that for you. That's wow. <laughs> wow. Amazing. We always have yeah. to talk about poop on this podcast every time. So <laughs> I mean, I think, I, th- I think that the poop podcast is just, uh, I, I, I support that. I support that. There's a name somewhere in there. No, like, you know, alliteration. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got to I gotta work on that. Yeah, I'm going to make stickers, something with poop, something. That, yeah, it's coming. It's coming. The poop is a theme here. <laughs> Anyways. Um, where can people find you? Are you on OnlyFans? Plug yourself. I, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Riley Marshall T.O. And I am not actually on OnlyFans, but... Oh. It might not. It might be in the future. Who okay, knows? Okay. Okay. So hint, stay hint, tuned. Hint. All right. I thought you were, but okay. Cool. And do you have anything else you want to say? Just fucking be kind, guys. The world <laughs> sucks right now, and if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I love that. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure having you. I'm gonna. Thank- Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say thank you so much for having me. All righty. That concludes the interview portion with Riley. Thanks again, Riley, for coming on. It was a pleasure to have you. I'm a big, big fan. It was awesome to get to know you better. And now for all the questions that you guys have sent in. And if anyone's interested in sending me questions for a future episode, you can find my curious cat on my Twitter, which is adore underscore Ashlyn. All right. First question. Okay. Why is it so easy for a woman to get the D for free? But for guys like me to get the V, we got to pay for it. My wife has two Ds. She can see when I'm not in town. But for me to find some V while I'm out of town for work, it's like trying to find a needle in a haystack. By the way, we love your podcast. Well, thank you so much. I'm so happy that you and your wife listen to my podcast. Well, I don't know. Is your wife hotter than you? Probably. So that's why she can get dick and doesn't have to pay for it. Unfortunately, the game is much different for women than it is for men. I don't know what to tell you, man. 
everyone's paying for sex and sometimes paying for sex with money is the easier option. So consider yourself lucky that you even have that arrangement with your wife. I think that's awesome. Props to you. Next question. Do you believe that sex work sends the right message to young girls and defeats the message that women shouldn't rely on their bodies to get ahead in life? Well, like most labor in uh, a capitalist society, everyone is using their bodies for work. So I think women have the right to do whatever they want with their bodies. And if that means they would like to do sex work or sleep with their boss to get ahead or I don't know, whatever else women do, put, you know, put sexy pics on OnlyFans, stuff like that. I think that's a woman's choice and where, you know, I don't really have an opinion. Have I ever been confronted by a wife? And if so, do you feel any guilt since you supplied a service that may have caused serious damage to a family? I've never been confronted by anybody's wife, not yet, knock on wood. And do I ever feel guilt? Uh, No, because other people's relationships are not my problem and I am getting paid to provide a service. I am most oftentimes not even aware if someone else has a wife or a girlfriend or a family. It's really not my problem and that's not my responsibility to care. How did your family find out about you being a sex worker? Well, this is a beautiful story that maybe one day I'll explore more on its own episode, but it's been about a year now since I've been outed. That's how the podcast was born, No Life Skills, because my brother, when I was going to get a puppy, because he was mad about me getting a dog. It makes no sense to me either, but I digress. Basically, he didn't agree with me getting a dog and said, one day I'll just be old and dried up and I'll just be a prostitute with no life skills. So thanks for the branding. And then, uh, yeah, he told my mom and dad, so because I was going to get a dog and he disagreed with that. So doesn't make sense to me either, but uh, yeah, that's exactly what happened. If you were a guidance counselor, would you recommend sex work as an option since you know the industry? I mean, it really depends. Sex work has given me a lot of opportunities and a lot of freedom in my life that I, and I truly love it. I truly enjoy what I do. Would I recommend it to everybody? Absolutely not. I think it definitely hurts a lot of people as well. And this business is what you make of it. And it just really depends. What did you want to become during your informative years? Was there family support to put you through school or did you need to turn to sex work to make that happen due to a lack of support? Um, I didn't really turn to sex work out of desperation of any kind. When I was younger, I actually wanted to go to nursing school. And then I started pursuing other things because I graduated high school very early. And my family has always been very supportive until I was outed and actually paid for most of my education, which I was very grateful for and very appreciative. And, you know, I recognize that that's a privilege not a lot of people have. But yeah, no, I choose this work because I want to do it, not because I had to at any time, which I'm very lucky for. And now that I'm paying for everything myself, it's definitely the best option because I can make a shitload of money, pay for all my school. And that's that. And someone else wants to know my opinions on erotic enemas. This is something I've never really thought about before. Um, I don't know if this person means like me giving an enema to somebody or somebody giving an enema to me. You know, I'm not going to kink shame anybody, but I personally don't think I would be into that. I just I've dealt with enough shit literally during my time doing this. And I don't really want to deal with more shit if I don't have to. Like, you know, I've done enemas on myself and it's not cute. But I think I do. I remember hearing about this maybe on a different podcast or something about like 
the eroticism of giving someone an enema because it's just such a like intimate thing. Like you're literally shitting your brains out in front of another person. So I don't know. Maybe the listeners, maybe that's your new kink or something, but uh, it's not mine. So no, I will not provide that service. This person also wants to know any plans to interview a trans person. I would love to. I, th- I think there's a couple people on Twitter that I see around, but I, we don't actually talk to each other. But I would like to reach out because I am open to interviewing absolutely anybody in the industry. Doesn't matter who, what, where, doesn't matter. Anybody's welcome. And I think that'd be super interesting. So definitely in the future. And next question. Many sex workers hide their face and use different names, etc. If breaking the stigma of sex work is the ultimate goal in making sex work safer and more accepted, isn't this counterproductive? Yeah, I mean, this industry closes a lot of doors when you're out and out like I am. It's naive of people to think that it wouldn't. And not everybody is in a place of privilege like me or many other women or people in the industry who show their faces. Yeah, there's just there is a lot of stigma. And I do think, sure, yeah, it can be counterproductive. But when it comes to people's like personal safety and, you know, the well-being of their family and stuff like that, I think it's truly up to the sex worker. And it's a very personal choice. And it's a big deal. Even with showing my face, you know, I'm scared to cross borders now, you know, stuff I, I could get banned from countries, detained. Yeah, it's a big decision. And when I started showing my face, I didn't really maybe fully grasp what it meant to fully be out in this way because I was so young. And I know now that there's no turning back. And, you know, would I do things differently if I was a little bit older and had thought things through? I don't know. But as my my goal with this podcast is to break down the stigma and as well as everything else I do in the business and being outspoken online, I... I'm comfortable enough putting myself out there in, in that way. And I hope it does help break down the stigma. And I think that's a lot, a lot of the feedback that I've gotten from the podcast is that it is helping and people are really enjoying it. That being said, um, I'll just share a quick story. So for example, Edmonton wanted to shut down all the body rub studios. So like the massage parlors and stuff. And there was a meeting that anybody who's worked at one currently or in the past five years could attend with uh, the city and to discuss like the pros and cons of shutting them down. And there were women there who were going on and on and on about the stigma of sex work and this and that. Yet they don't show their face. They don't do any activism. They're merely just waiting for someone else to do that work and sitting back and sitting on the sidelines. And that's their choice. But I don't necessarily agree with that. You know, I think if you're going to talk about breaking down the stigma of sex work and this and that, yet in the same breath, you're going to talk about like, oh, how you can't show your face, how you feel safer in studios, you can't go independent. Like, I think that's hypocritical. And if you want something to be done in this business about the stigma, then, you know, do something about it. Don't sit back and wait for everyone else to do the work. That's my two cents. Hope that makes sense. Do you think the influx of Asian spas in the city that they are being trafficked? You know, I don't know for sure. I haven't been to these places, but I do know there's a police squad dedicated to fighting Asian trafficking in particular in Edmonton. So to say that it's absolutely not happening is stupid. Yes, Asian trafficking absolutely exists. You know, these women come to Canada and they don't even speak English. And I was taught that, you know, these Asian women will come here thinking that they're going to be a nanny or something. And then they get here and whoever brought them over is like, well, that job's not available. So you got to do this instead. And when you go do the information course to get your body robber escorting license in Edmonton, they have like Asian language interpreters 
So someone who speaks like a multitude of different languages and stuff, because these women, they don't even speak English. They're in a new country. Like, how is that not exploitative? And I'm not saying that all of them are exploitative or being uh, trafficked in these Asian studios, but it's hard for me to think that it doesn't happen. And at the same time, there's probably plenty of women at those studios who do choose this work and it is a choice and they're not being trafficked and they're happy with their decision. But yeah, it is something to think about and consider, but I can't say for sure. And finally, what's the worst thing as a sex worker you've experienced? I think it's so interesting when people ask me this question because I get asked this all the time. People ask me online anonymously, like you have done, whoever you are. They also ask me in person. And it's like a weird fascination that people want to hear the trauma that sex workers have experienced and why. For your own curiosity, that's kind of fucked up, don't you think? Like, do you go up to your waitress and ask her, oh, what's the worst thing that's ever happened to you? Like, what the fuck? I don't know where this question comes from. I don't know why people seem to think it's okay to ask sex workers these things because, yeah, sex workers have been through a lot of shit a lot of traumatic, horrible things that we've talked about at length on this podcast. And for people just to so nonchalantly bring it up like that, like, give your head a scratch. I just don't understand. So I will not be addressing this question, but just think about why you feel the need to ask sex workers that. It's a very personal, private question. It's very strange. And I just don't think there is a a place for that. If somebody is opening up to you and It comes up in conversation, but this just happens all the time. People ask, oh, what's the worst thing that's ever happened? I could go on and on, but I'm not going to because it's sick that you want to listen to that for your own entertainment. So on that note, thank you so much for listening. Like I said, all of Riley's stuff will be in the description. Make sure you give her a follow on Twitter. Book her if you're in Toronto. And all of my information will be linked down below questions for next week can be sent to me anywhere twitter only fans curious cat and thank you so much for listening let's enjoy the summer weather it's very exciting hopefully it doesn't snow again and we'll see you next week bye thank you for listening to another episode of no life skills follow ashlyn on social media at no life skill or at adore ashlyn be sure to like comment, and hit that subscribe button. We'll see you on the next show.